Good morning. I'll say again what a good weekend experience we had <clears throat> with Max Dawson a few days ago. Those sermons are now on the website. You might want to go back and review them. We are ready now to move forward to glorify God in all that we do. I want to begin by reading a portion of the 11th chapter of Hebrews. I'll introduce it with the last paragraph in chapter 10. So if you'll find Hebrews 11, find next the last part of chapter 10, and I'll meet you there in just a moment. While you're opening to that location, let me talk for a moment about the historical context of this passage. When you read everything from the opening verses of Hebrews up to the end of chapter 10, I believe the historical circumstance makes the theme of the letter very clear. People of Jewish background came out of their previous religious practice in obedience to the gospel of Christ. But they were now being tested and tempted and they were under pressure to turn from Christ back to their old religious practices. The content of this epistle is an urgent call to these Christians to not throw away their confidence, to hold tightly to the faith, to preserve their souls. Just before chapter 11, this urgent call that composes the theme of the epistle is vividly written. I'm in Hebrews 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Well, this makes it very clear what the book of Hebrews is about. And the writer has an urgent tone in writing all of this. I want you to remember these words. <coughs> Don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward. We are not of those who shrink back or turn back. Now that sets the tone. And it punctuates the theme of Hebrews. And it leads right into this. In Hebrews chapter 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. 
By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. I have one primary question for us to concentrate on during our time this morning. What is faith? For the sake of clarity, we're going to answer that question. What is faith? And I want you first to consider what faith isn't. Faith isn't guesswork. Guesswork is the process of making a choice or a selection when you don't have sufficient information to do otherwise. Illustration. When multiple grandkids were at our house and all of them wanted to pick a movie or go first in a game, my wife would say, okay, I have a number in my mind between one and ten. And the kids would offer their guesses. And the closest one to the number got to pick the movie or go first. Now that's guesswork. No evidence, no facts, no information, sheer, random guesswork. If that is your perception of biblical faith, I beg you to stay with me because faith in God is not like that at all. To further clarify, faith isn't the lottery. The lottery is an extension of guesswork, but with money at stake. Loss or gain, who knows? There are mathematicians who claim they have an edge, but that's just more sophisticated guesswork. There is no guaranteed outcome. Faith isn't guesswork. It isn't like a lottery, and it isn't inherited. There are some physical attributes and diseases and natural tendencies which are passed on by blood, inherited. If you saw a picture of my father, you would see resemblance. And when you look at the song leader, you may also observe some resemblance. We understand that. However, we should never think of faith as something transmitted in the DNA. There is influence legacy and instruction from previous generations but I ought not to think that because my parents believed in God and were disciples of Christ that will just somehow happen to me I am a grateful recipient of their instruction and influence but I had to read this book I had to learn what this book says and I had to acquire and I am acquiring my own faith and practice. I had to become engaged in the activity of faith, resist temptation, grow spiritually, all of that. And I'm still working on that, aren't you? It wasn't transmitted by blood. It wasn't something that I caught living in that house. Faith isn't inherited. It isn't an automatic product of living in a good home, though it is good to live in a good home. So, in the interest of clarity, faith isn't guesswork, it isn't the lottery, it isn't inherited. 
Let's use now what we read in the Word of God. Let's use Hebrews 11 as our source and let's determine what faith is. Faith is based on evidence God supplies that individuals then process. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now these words stand out in that first verse, assurance and conviction. One translation has the word evidence or substance. Let me ask, do human beings have assurance and conviction just automatically or naturally? Are we born with assurance and conviction based on knowledge? No, it is something you acquire. This is something you process as you read this book and your mind maturely assesses the evidence of it. Evidence is presented to the mind and if sufficient and objectively processed, you acquire faith and then you live by faith. There, there is a very specific instance that conveys this to us in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. I want to read John 20, 30 and 31. I want to introduce it this way. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John didn't just say, hey folks, believe in Christ. They didn't just say, believe in Christ, we did. They didn't just assert that Jesus is the Son of God. They gave evidence. Evidence to be heard, read, processed, and convict people. And move people to the obedience of faith. John 20, 30, and 31. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. John said in the book of John, here's the case, I'm going to lay it out. Here's the evidence for faith in Christ. Faith is based on evidence God supplies that individuals process. Next month in this series, I'll talk about God's existence established by evidence given for human beings to process. I think some people who haven't read the Bible objectively or have read it through worldly eyes think that faith is belief without evidence. You will actually hear that expressed through media and in secular writings. That we don't really know what we're affirming or confessing. Those Christians are just sort of guessing. They're moving out in the dark. It's like the lottery. They're carrying on a tradition from their family. That's the modern untrained view of what faith is. Faith, the Bible says, assures us of good things we hope for and convinces us of things not seen. We are convinced by evidence God has supplied. In the book of Acts, the opening statement, after the resurrection of Christ, he stayed with his disciples for an additional 40 days. And here's what Luke calls that. Christ giving them many proofs. One infallible translation says, many infallible proofs. Faith is belief based on evidence God has provided. Mark Twain 
was wrong about it. Maybe he was just using humor, I don't know. But Mark Twain once described faith as believing what you know ain't so. Well, that definition ain't so. At least among those who operate on the basis of biblical knowledge. Faith is based on evidence God supplies that we then process. Faith is three-dimensional, having to do with the past, present, and future. Past, I've processed the abundant evidence and therefore I believe God created the heavens and the earth. I wasn't there. I know some of the young people think I'm old, but I wasn't there. But I processed the evidence and I believe God created the heavens and the earth. However, like other historical events that happened long before I arrived, I processed the evidence that led me to the conclusion, and that's what faith is. With reference to good evidence of what happened in the past. The present. One example. Colossians 1.17 says, In Christ all things hold together. That's now. We believe that now. All things hold together. I believe Jesus is doing that right now. I can't really see Him doing that. But based on the evidence, all the evidence, I believe Jesus is holding this world together. In Christ, all things hold together. Now about the future, the assurance of things hoped for. The assurance of things hoped for. That's a vital part of my faith. Faith is based on evidence God has provided. It enables me to be certain of what I cannot see in the past, in the present, and in the future. God has convinced me there will be a day of judgment and a heavenly home. Remember what we read back in Hebrews 10.35. Do not throw away your confidence which has great reward. Faith contains trust that leads to obedience. This is so important. Faith in the Bible is not just about something you've read. Facts you have deposited in your head. Let me use this illustration, please. Historians and archaeologists gather information from the past. They look at evidence. They research documents and they compare manuscripts and they dig in the earth and they take what they found in the earth and they test it. And then they present their findings in books and oral presentations and research papers. But in many cases, it doesn't change their lives. It doesn't really change their lives. It doesn't generate trust or love or devotion. There are no moral principles they find in the earth. When we open our hearts to the evidence God has provided in the world and in His Word, and we believe in Him and we believe in Christ and we search out what the Holy Spirit has revealed, if we have good and honest hearts, it is much more than just a deposit of facts in our memory. We learn who God is. We want to seek Him and know Him and magnify His name. He is worthy of our trust and we love Him and we want to get up every day and serve Him.
just as he has directed in his word. We want to draw near to him knowing that he rewards those who seek him. Faith contains trust that leads to obedience. Abel offered to God worship. Enoch wanted to please God. Noah obeyed. Abraham obeyed. There were people under the leadership of Moses with such trust in God, they crossed the Red Sea. Faith contains trust that leads to obedience. Faith isn't guesswork. It isn't like the lottery that you play against the odds. Faith isn't something transmitted by blood. It is our response to evidence supplied by God that we individually process. We look around in the world, we see design. We believe there is a maker. We believe he communicated to us. Faith isn't transmitted by blood or lottery or guesswork. It is our response to evidence supplied by God that we individually process. It concerns our confidence in the past and what God did back then. The activity of deity in the present. Jesus is upholding all things by the power of his word. And the future assurance of good for the people of God. But it isn't just information that we hold in our heads or our laptops or our notebooks or our phone. It is trust in the Creator that leads us to respond to His Son as directed in the writings given by the Holy Spirit. Would you listen please? Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, <clears throat> the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more uh, acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, <clears throat> and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Take the time 
to examine your personal grasp of your own faith in God. If your personal response of faith in Christ has not discovered its full reality in repentance and obedience initially and ongoing, we call upon you to consider all that God has done to set your life on a good course. Obey the gospel. Repent of your sin. Brother Dawson mentioned to us last week, it's not too late to change, to become a Christian or be a better Christian. Faith, if authentic, will lead to obedience to the glory of God and for our eternal good. Don't throw away your confidence. It has great reward. We are not of those who shrink back or turn back. We are those who preserve our souls. Let's stand together as we sing.